0: there, some thoroughbreds, Northlands, Fort Erie, a little bit of everything. So tell us the full story.
1: Yeah, it's been a uh, mixed bag, Edison. Uh, Go back to probably 1980 when mom walked me into the racetrack at the Summerside Raceway in Prince Edward Island and uh, immediately fell in love with the horses. Uh, Found myself skipping school to uh, go shovel shit in the barn area. And uh, you know what? I have done a little bit of everything. I've uh, I've been a groom, I've been a trainer, I've been a, an amateur driver. I've owned and raced horses. I, I, I'm a horseman calling horse races. And uh, my first announcing gig, actually in Prince Edward Island, was a a place called the the Charlie Willis Memorial Track in O'Leary, Prince Edward Island. It's what they call matinee. Uh, racing which is non-bedding there there's a handful of matinee tracks uh, spread throughout the island and uh, again it's it's non-wagering non-bedding all for fun and uh, these are beyond the tracks of Summerside Raceway and Red Shores at Cheryltown Driving Park so uh, that's where I got my feet wet with announcing there was a job came up in Edmonton in 2006 I needed to call one race on a VHS tape yes a VHS tape recording. I, I called one race in January uh, at the Charlottetown Driving Park, a paramutual race. Vance Cameron was kind enough to loan me the mic for that. We sent the tape off to Edmonton for Northlands Park, and I was calling races in February of 2006 and uh, had a great run there. Spent about eight years calling the Standardbreds. Uh, moved on to quarter horses and thoroughbreds as well, so I did all breeds in Alberta for eight years and, uh, moved on to, uh, London, uh, the raceway at Western fair district for standard Bear racing in the fall of 2013. Uh, you mentioned Ford Erie; I did the summer there in 2015 and, uh, we don't race in the summertime here in London. So it, it allowed me, a, a chance to, uh, get my feet wet with the thoroughbreds here in Ontario. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. Great team down there at the Ford Erie racetrack and, um, Here we are with a brand new race meet in London. This would be my ninth season coming into call races here. And uh, as mentioned, uh, we're just very happy to be open. There is not a track in North America that has lost more race dates due to the pandemic than the raceway here in London. So uh, you can understand why we're all very happy to be open for business.
0: Yeah, I know. um, It certainly was a treat for us south of the border to see some of those Canadian horses and drivers coming down, you know, while you guys were shut down and the opportunity to get to know them a little bit better. But uh, it certainly is great to be able to see them on TV again where they belong up there with you guys um, racing again. And uh, with that said, Sugar, first things first, we'll just go on and insert it here. Um, How about a quick little promo for the um, upcoming meet for Western Fair in terms of post times, uh, race days, um, website, that kind of stuff?
1: Sure, you bet. Um, Here at the the Raceway at Western Fair, it's an easy schedule to start off with through the months of uh, October and November. It's Monday and Tuesday evenings with a 5.50 start time. And uh, on Friday evenings, an hour earlier at 4.50, all times are Eastern. Um, December will come around, and we'll start up with a four-day-per-week schedule. We're going to try some Sunday evenings in uh, December, Uh, so we're really looking forward to that. The holiday season around Christmas and New Year's gets very busy for us. We see our racing handle spike around that time. Uh, things ramp up uh, during late December and in the January. And then when we go into January, it's uh, a four day per week solid schedule of Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesday evenings, and then on the Friday nights uh, as well. Um, on our website, you can find everything you need. There's free programs, free selections. A live video and replays and, and so much more there. You can find all that at com slash raceway. It's kind of neat to have a little grand opening bash tomorrow evening, Friday night. We're going to uh, cater to our spectators uh, a little more with a party on the patio. The top of the fair uh, dining room will be open as well. So uh, uh, the, the weekdays, we really... Uh, you know, we we really want to cater to our horse players. Friday nights, we we, we try to do our best for the spectators on track and, and as well look after the horse players as well. Uh, we've got a solid team here. We work hard for the business. We're the number two track for wagering in Canada for harness racing wagers, second only to Woodbine Mohawk Park.
0: It's a very good promo there, Sugar, and hopefully any of our listeners out there in the area will head on out for an evening and check it out there at um, Western Fair for this upcoming meet. Um, So, Sugar, just to circle back a little bit to what you were talking about with your background. So, obviously, having called standard breads, thoroughbreds, and quarter horses, much like uh, your fellow Canadian colleague Murray Slow, who I had on a couple weeks ago, Right. We'll ask you the same question of um, any preferences between the threes. Is it difficult for you to switch between the three, just kind of the challenges of, of doing all three? The,
1: the only, I won't say challenges, um, switching over to thoroughbred. I know there's a little more work involved. I know there's a lot more of uh, coloring in racing silks next to the horse's name in the program with harness racing. Uh, There is some prep work, just uh, getting used to newer horse names that I haven't called before or or, or what have you. But uh, Thoroughbred, I do do a lot more prep work uh, to get ready for a Thoroughbred and quarter horse race. Like I said, I got a color in the silks uh, and... uh, Fort Erie, that was a tricky track to call that one mile track and the sun set as they turned for home. So that, that was a little tricky for me, but, uh, getting my feet wet with the thoroughbreds in, uh, Edmonton at Northlands park, that was a great gig for me. Uh, I, I learned to call the thoroughbreds there, uh, off the jockey's cap color, the, now the jockey cap, the helmet cover, it always matched the, the saddle cloth. So, uh, that's how I learned to call the thoroughbreds and, uh, as well. I had the color of the, the jockey silks right next to the horse's name, but uh, calling around the bull ring, the five-eighths track at Northlands Park, the thoroughbreds, for me, it, it became quite easy. But uh, the one-mile track at Fort Erie, it did get a little bit tougher. But uh as far as challenges go, I, I guess if, there's a, if there was a challenge at Fort Erie, it was when that sun was setting uh, late evening when the horses were turning for home. Uh Sometimes we'd have a dozen horses in the race, and uh, maybe there'd be Six jockeys with black caps on, and 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 as I mentioned, that's how I learned to call them in Edmonton the, the cap colors. So uh seeing six black caps turning for home with the sun setting on them that that got tough at times. So uh I won't say guesswork, but there might have been a few hms and and, and haws, uh, wondering if I was calling the right thing. But uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a great career, and uh, I. I I wouldn't have any trouble recommending a race calling career for uh, any young person that's in, involved in, in, uh, in following the horses. It's, it's, it's been a great life, lots of excitement, uh, lots of great horses and horse people over the years. It's it's uh, just been a blast. I, I've been very lucky. I wish I could have been doing it in my twenties. I, I didn't get a, a job in racing till I was uh, mid thirties. And, uh, like I said, had to leave my home province to do so. Uh, Uh, the the announcing gigs, they're they're not easy to find, but uh, being in the right place at the right time has has, uh, has, uh, been good to me.
0: (laughs) Well, that's good to hear, Sugar. I'll consider that a good sign for my future as I now enter, I guess, year two of announcing races at age 22. So I guess that's a good sign that if it's something I continue with. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So Sugar, speaking of interesting booths to call from um I, I might be incorrect on this but i think i'm right that i've kind of seen before western fairs booths is kind of an interesting situation as well aren't you kind of overlooking the track in some ways i am
1: right on top of the finish line um it's it's i remember when i first walked into the the announcer booth the fall of 2013 and i i looked down and and like i said i'm right on top of it uh, uh, where i got my uh early lessons at Northlands Park uh, in Edmonton, Alberta. There, there was a huge tarmac down below, likely 75 to 80 feet of pavement uh, below the announcer booth. And uh, so the track was more towards, you know, you, you could look out and, uh, and and you could get a great view of all the action that was happening. But now in London, I, I've gotten used to it, but I remember those uh, first weeks of calling races there. uh so, it it was not easy because it was definitely a different vantage point being right on top of the finish line. And even now, you know, if it's too close to call, I'm not calling it. I'm going to wait on the picture. We've had a few of those races already where we've had the wild four and five across finishes here this week. And uh, you know what, Uh, if it's really close, I'm not touching it because it can be deceiving on my end. I know there's some horse players that messaged me this week how, how did the five hold on to win over the seven? I mean, and we, we, we do show the win photos of following these close races for for all the spectators and horse players to see on our monitors, but uh, the the photo finish does not lie, but uh, anything close at all and'm uh, I'm, I'm waiting on that photo.
0: Yeah, I'm certainly fortunate. At Rosecroft, got a really good view of the finish line. Um, For Freehold, it's the same way. And for the times I call it the Meadowlands as well, just kind of right on that finish line and just a great angle. But um, I know Shenandoah Downs out in Virginia has kind of that same idea of the booth, you know, over top of the finish line. And and that was kind of a weird angle to see. But Mm -hmm. personally, and I think Jeff Zidig and I talked about this when he was on the show the other week, but... Um, when I filled in for him out at the Meadows two months ago I think that may have been the trickiest angle he is like 50 feet beyond the finish line so you're kind of looking oh, wow. back at these two horses coming at you and it's just a tough tough angle
1: <laughs> well I, I I could see the dilemma there then yeah I, I like being right on the finish line being right over top of it it's not easy but uh, to be calling races where you'd be, like you said, uh, fifty feet beyond the line either way, uh, that would be very tough to to uh, announce a winner in a in a in a, cl- in a close one,
0: right? Yes, certainly is. Uh, yeah, Jeff uh, does a good job with that, and I know he gave me some tips before I went out there. But yeah, that, that's a tricky one for sure. But experience, I'm sure, does help him out. Um, oh yeah, for sure. So, Sugar, on to the next thing. been asking my guests every show here some sort of handicapping question kind of to educate some of our more novice listeners, maybe more familiar with the thoroughbreds, as well as just for our more expert listeners, just something to think about when handicapping. So um, I think a good question for you, especially because Western Fair, it seems like you guys get some really nice warm days combined with kind of those cold, snowy days as well. Mm -hmm. So – It's kind of a twofold question here. It's how do you factor weather into handicapping in the sense that when you see race lines and you see horses, you know, that may have raced in a 70 degree weather one week and then, you know, the next week in 20 degree weather, how do you, you know, consider how the difference in that temperature may have affected the horse? And also, how do you factor in variance in handicapping a race? And I'll start by explaining for our listeners that may be unfamiliar in harness racing, we provide a track variant if there is a particular weather situation, be it um, extreme cold or wind, or just track condition that makes the track slower. So there may be a one-second allowance or a two-second allowance. And kind of the way to read that is um, that the times that week were probably one second slower than they may have been on a standard, you know, fast or good track. Um, so, so sugar, how do you factor all of that kind of stuff into handicapping the races.
1: Okay. Well, as far as the weather and temperature in London, it doesn't concern me a whole lot, the temperature, because we are a winter track. um, So we we only race from October till the end of May. We're not going to get the extreme heat that uh, other Ontario tracks see in the summertime. So, so for me, at least with uh, handicapping London, uh, the temperature does not bother me whatsoever. One thing I will say, uh, it, it's become, uh, I, I shouldn't say popular, but it, it's become a little more uh, normal to see horses that don't perform as well in the summertime, but would become uh, much better uh, during the cooler weather. And that, that's due to allergies, uh, something that I learned probably, uh, well, 20 years ago, there was a horse around the Maritimes. Uh, uh, I believe the name was, was Tenderfoot. And uh, he he was a horse that just uh, seemed to get better as uh, the cooler weather would come around. And, and I was told there was allergies involved and, and this and that. So that's one thing to think about. If, if you see horses this time of year, especially Ontario, uh, reversing in form in a big way, chances are, that horse just wasn't uh, performing up to snuff with the extreme heat, uh, the allergies from uh, the growing seasons in the fields and, and grass and uh, trees and bushes and what have you. So uh, uh, I, I know I got some messages from uh, horse players yesterday. I can't believe this horse turned things around so much. Well, it, it it has become a little bit cooler here in October in Ontario. So that's that's one thing to think about when, when uh, talking about temperatures for Ontario racing is the, the allergy factor. Um, as far as track variants go, um, we do get some uh, messy tracks here because we are a winter racing. Um, the uh, off tracks, good tracks, sloppy tracks, uh, handicapping those kind of horses. Uh, for, for If we're showing a, a sloppy track or a good track on a, on a racing even, uh, I'm going back to look at uh, horses' past lines, and I, I'm trying to find a good track or a sloppy track that they've been on before. Some horses, uh, they'll take to it. Some horses just can't seem to, to, uh, get their footing on a, on an off track. But, uh, here in London, we will get, uh, cool temperatures now, uh, minus 10 to 15 Celsius. And now I'm not sure how that converts to Fahrenheit, but, uh, that, that's a cool evening here in London, um. We don't mind that it's cooler out because th- that means the track is going to be hard and tight and the horses will uh, get around it well. It's it's when the month of March rolls around here and the spring thaw comes out in the track and uh, things can get a bit dicey, the, the footing and what have you, the, the temperatures become a little more mild, so... March would probably be the the tougher month to handicap the horses around here in London because it's just a a mixed bag of weather. That it, dep- it depends on the temperature going up and down and and how uh, that affects the track.
0: That was a good uh, answer there. Thank you so much for for that insight, sugar. And um, I'll be the first to admit I actually learned something new there myself. Um, you know, I have noticed a couple horses before that you kind of get to this fall weather; they seem to almost complete form reversal. Um, And uh, that's interesting. I've never considered allergies before, but makes total sense to me. And that is something that I will personally file away in my own handicapping toolbox. And um, hopefully our listeners learn something as well there from your insight. Um, But with that, sugar, let's go on and jump into some handicapping of our own. And we'll start with the Wood by Mohawk card for Friday, October the 8th, 2021. And we'll start, as always, with the $100,000 guaranteed early pick five, 20-cent base wager, races one, two, three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. And starting with race one, these are the two-year-old pacers, non-winners of a race or 10,000 lifetime for a purse of 15,000. And you are using two of the outside starters here in the first leg.
1: I'm going outside is right. And I think they both have uh, the early speed to to race up close here. Uh, Number eight, St. Ladd-Sterling, tried some OSS action at Flamborough. The Hapmar, the track was off, so uh, this horse just didn't want to do it that night. Made a break in the early going and and was never involved, though the start before that, uh, sat up close at uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park, was a race winner in 54, that being his lifetime best. Outside of St. Ladd-Sterling is the nine-horse greatest ending with uh, Sylvain Filion, on board for Dr. Ian Moore. Now, this horse finished second best to a really nice one in Beach Glass, who was uh, obviously meant to do some real good things. Now, this was an improved performance for this one last time out. He was a 10 to 1 value player, used the back quarter in 26 and 3 to stay with Beach Glass to finish second best, a, a model in 52 and 4, and that Certainly jumps off the page for me in race number one. If there's a key, maybe it's the nine greatest ending, but I've used the eight St. Lad Sterling as a plan B in the opener.
0: So for me here, Sugar, I end up going pretty deep, actually. I use the one, the five, the six, the eight, and the nine. So I'm with you with the eight and the nine. Um, And I will just point out for our listeners, perfect timing right off of our conversation, that if you look at the eight St. Ladd Sterling, as you mentioned, that off-track at Flamborough last time out actually did get a one-second allowance because of the Mm -hmm. off-track. And Greatest Ending was actually on a Woodbine Mohawk track back on September 7th. There was a two-second allowance on the sloppy track. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, both of those two I use. Um, Beach Glass, the Greatest Ending, finished second to last time. I think he does have the potential to be a really... Special one. I know um, Joe Ricky and I, when he was on the other week, were talking about um, the potential for that one in the future. I think could be a really, really good horse. Um, but I also use the one EL Gladiator. Has obviously been facing easier at Flamborough. Has gotten the job done as he was expected to. Was 1-20 to last time out. Big step up here, but does draw the rail. We'll throw him in at a big price. Picks up Bob McClure. Mm-hmm. Use the five, Chucky Hanover. Um, i always kind of skeptical on first-time starters, what they'll bring, but it was a pretty good-looking qualifier. Came home with 27-4, final mile of 56 and 1 over this track last mm-hmm. week. So we'll yeah. um, throw him in with a chance on debut. And then the six, don't poke the bear. Um, led most of the way, ended up just getting caught through the stretch last time out against similar, beaten half a length. Uh, does lose Sylvain Filion, though, but does pick up Russo. So we'll use the 1, the 5, the 6, the 8, and the 9 for me here in race 1. So next, race 2 is 5-year-olds and younger, non-winners of three races, or 54,000 lifetime, on the pace for a purse of 20,000. And, Sugar, you were using three of them in here. Right on.
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try the 1, 3, and 6. The 1 beach party, uh, one of two Karmanach yellow uh, starters in here. He's got the 1 and 3. He's adding uh, Lasix. This horse has raced on Lasix before, and it was a very sharp victory uh, down at Pocono late July. And uh, so went over to Lexington. The le- the Lasix came off, but he still fared well there. Plenty of 150 speed around uh, the Red Mile. Uh, Jonathan Drury on board. I like the chances for the one. Beach Party, the three, four, Father. Uh, as mentioned, another starter for Achiello. Uh, James McDonald on board. And this one tried Lexington. It just he he never got involved. He was sitting back, and the the final half was just way too quick for him. He still shows a back half in fifty three and two there, and he never got a check. So, uh, plenty of talent there. The six horse Mappos Lion uh, yet to get beat at Woodbine Mohawk Park. He will be facing tougher trainer driver Paul McDonnell MacDell- Paul on board. We'll try for his fifth straight victory. Now, I know Mappo's lying well because I did a little work with Churro uh, most of the summer. And uh, this horse was just coming into his own there in late summer. And he got over to Old Home Week in Charlottetown. And he raced well there. As mentioned, yet to be beat in Ontario. But he will be facing tougher. Talk about six. Mappo's
0: lying. Well, I will uh, use two in here. I use the one and the six. So um, the three, four father definitely do respect him, but had to cut down the ticket somewhere here. So huh. for me, it's just the one and the six. Um, the six mapo's lying right A 10 for 13 this year. He's looking for his 11th win of the season from 14 starts. So absolutely have to um, respect him. And then the one beach party, of course, um, coming off some good races down there at Red Mile We'll throw him in as well, so not a whole lot more to add for me here except for the uh, just using the one and the six, but Sugar, I will throw a quick side question your way since we do talk about Mappo's Lion when out there for uh, Gold Cup and Saucer Week out there at um, the Red Shores. Is that something you've ever gotten a chance to uh, attend? I'm, I'm assuming you have, so uh, talk a little bit about that and, and what that's like every year if you've been out there before.
1: Right on. Uh, I walked into my first Gold Cup and Saucer Day in August of 1981. The winner of the race was Henry Butler. He won over Saul's Pride and Armbrow Ultrasonic, finished third. And I had a show ticket on Armbrow Ultrasonic, and I got back $3. So I've got a great memory for 40 years ago, but I can't remember last week sometimes. But uh, old home week, it's a great time. Uh, They used to race every afternoon and night for about 10 days straight now uh, with a horse shortage uh, throughout North America at the different times of the year. Uh, they don't get to go every afternoon and night, but uh, uh, I think the Saturdays, Gold Cup and Saucer Day, that was an afternoon and night card, a, a doubleheader with uh, with plenty of racing. And it's very exciting. It's It, it would be compared to the Little Brown Jug, I, I would think, as far as Canadian harness racing go. If you're going to the Little Brown Jug in Delaware in September – and you want that feel in Canada? Then you want to be at Old Home Week in Charlottetown on Gold Cup and Saucer Day. It's it's that kind of a party atmosphere. Uh, Vance Cameron calling the action. He's a maritime legend. I believe he's now into his, uh, well, he he's been calling races since the seventies, and uh, as mentioned, a maritime legend and uh, his boom just like that call. Uh, uh, you'll you'll hear quite a bit during Old Home Week and uh, many other. Uh, signature calls of of his. It's just a great time. Uh, when I went to the Little Brown Jug, I think it was 2014 or fifteen. being on track, listening to Roger Houston, uh, that's part of the experience. Lots of very nice horses, but to be on track uh, listening to Roger, that was always a good time. When you go to Old Home Lake in Charlendown and you've got Vance Cameron uh, belting out his calls, it's a great time. It's just an on-track atmosphere that... Uh, you can't find anywhere else. Little brown jug, gold cup and saucer. Those are kind of two in the same for me.
0: My Rosecroft colleague Pete Medhurst and I talk about it all the time that those are the two events that we both would absolutely love to get to. So uh, very jealous that you have been to both, and hopefully I'll get to check them off soon. But. Right I, I definitely, for sure, especially the way they introduce the field, you know, when they come on the track in the dark there for the Gold Cup and Saucer, I, oh man, I, I uh, for sure would love to get to attend that well, something. The,
1: the hair will stand up on your arms. If you're on track, the lights go out. All lights go out. If I was on the bottom turn in the paddock. Every light was off. It's pitch dark and then the spotlight comes on and one horse will parade down and there's the hype from Vance Cameron talking up the one horse and you know what? It's just even the everything, everything about the Gold Cup and Saucer Night, the uh, the post parade, uh, the hype, uh, the race itself, and uh, and the glory afterwards, uh, the Shepherd Brothers winning it uh, this season, brothers Robert and Patrick teaming up, uh, it, it was just great to see
0: certainly was, and Smooth lose, done pretty well. Uh, took out a preferred event the other week, I believe, at Flamborough. Uh, just oh, lost he got that. in easy. Yeah. <laughs> that was an easy spot for
1: him following a Gold Cup and Saucer victory. But, uh, yeah, nice to see him uh, return to win. A lot of horses will go to Charlottetown for Old Home Week from Ontario, from New Jersey. And, uh, it's very tough to come back and uh, win following Old Home Week
0: because they absolutely fly down there. Yeah, I know he got the win there, but he did disappoint. Uh, Wasn't I believe it was. It was last night, actually, a 1-5 in another open event at Flamborough. Admittedly, I didn't get a chance to watch the race. Not quite sure what happened, but I right. know he did lose at 1-5. to But, uh, yeah, for sure, Shepard uh, Connections getting the win there this year. And, yeah, like I said, for sure hope to make it there sometime. But, anyway, enough of a sidetracking. Uh, no. Sugar, we'll get back to this. Race 3, on the trot, non-winners of 3,000 in their last five starts or non-winners of 7,000 in their last 10 starts for $12,000. And you are going to use just two in here.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go to a couple of closers. Uh, The four Holden Aces, Steve Hudon, goes back on board. He's a co-owner trainer. And number five, Ace By, uh, Dag Edrickson, on board. These two horses both like to close. I'm not sure how it's going to work out for them, though. If there's any uh, tough race in this sequence, this is likely it. Uh, We're expecting uh, showers and rain throughout the day in Ontario tomorrow, so factor that in and uh, race three could get messy
0: so i do use the four holding aces um but i also use the one and the three the one bronze yankee um showed gate speed last time out had the lead i'm not quite sure if that's really where he wanted to be but with the rail draw here i think that'll give doug McNair some choices here with um, where to place him h1 on the morning line i'll throw him in at a bit of a price and then the three may fare well um He's been racing down here in the States, actually, um, in New York, in Batavia and Tioga, and uh, I think this is a little bit of a class drop for him. He's been pretty competitive against those type of fields. So, um, I actually, I don't know if I'd say that, actually. This is probably similar level to what he's been seeing, but he's been competitive down there. So, we'll see how well he takes to the bigger track here. Um, a lot of his success has come on that smaller track. So, right. um, we'll see how much he likes this 7, 8-mile track, but I'll give him a chance as well. So, it's 1, 3, and 4. For me here, and I personally, I think this is a pretty tricky race to try to get through. Um, It's the toughest
1: one. If if there's an
0: all button anywhere in this sequence, this is probably it. Race three. So race four on the pace for sixteen thousand dollars. It's four year olds and younger, non-winners of two races or nineteen thousand lifetime. And for me, this will be my single. I am going to single the six. That'll be sporty who got a big win and even money last time out. First time with Sylvain Fillion on a board, won by five and three quarters lengths. Came home in 27 and one, a final time of 53 and two. So Sylvain Fillion teaming back up again with That'll Be Sporty. We'll see if they can make it two in a row. That's my single, but you used one other horse in here.
1: I did. I, I used your six, the homebred. I mean, you don't see a horse uh, bet off the board coming in from uh, – Hiawatha Park at Sarnia's 5.8. This horse was a bet off the board, even money, easy winner last time out. So uh, you're probably right with the key, but uh, if there's a backup plan for me, it's got to be the one, Shantae, uh, from the inside. Louis Philippois gets the call. This one comes in from the half-miler and, uh, at the Three Rivers, and then Rito carltons 5.8. at 53 around Rideau-Carlton with a back quarter in 27. Uh, that's all right. So uh, Shantae and even shows second best on a good track uh, last time out. So can get around the good going. But the, for me, the sixth, that'll be sporty. He will be very tough to beat. He looked like he just jogged
0: last time out, but the backup plan would be the one. Well, with that, Sugar, I'm going to sidetrack for another quick 30 seconds uh, talking about the one coming from uh, Three Rivers. Um, the track announcer out there, I'm not sure if you know him personally, but um, as both of us being track announcers, I got to say, I'm very impressed that he can switch between the French and the English on and off throughout the call. <laughs> I, I love it. I,
1: I've always loved a bilingual uh, race caller when uh, tuned into uh, Quebec racing. There was a blue bonnets uh, years ago, Hippodrome, Montreal. Uh, I've got a good friend, uh, Adam Monta, that uh, he he's done some backup announcing over the years. and. Uh, Anytime he came to Edmonton for a visit or even to London, I, I've asked him, you know, uh, can you fit in some uh, bilingual call uh, being French and English? And the, he's always he always obliges because uh, uh, a very, uh, very nice guy, Adamanta, Monta, and, and he can flip and, and flop with the English and French during a race call. It's it's very unique. It's something to listen to. It's uh Calling races is not easy for the most part to to stick with English, but to to throw in the bilingual of French and English to, together, it's uh, it's it's magic and it sounds like magic.
0: Yeah, I don't know about you, but for me personally, I think my calls are tough enough to figure out as is in English only. I don't think I need to throw another language in there for an extra challenge. Gotcha. <laughs> but those guys are good at it for sure. They sure are. Um, so, race five, the closeout leg of this pick five. It's on the pace for 24,000. It's Phillies and Mares, non-winners of 15,000 in their last five starts, or non-winners of 29,000 in their last 10 starts. And we have identical numbers here. We're each using the one, the two, and the four to bring this thing home. Right on. I, I
1: think Sylvan Villian is uh, due for a big night. Um, he's got plenty of live bullets on the card. I really like him with the four. Uh, Volt's delight there. Just missing last time out in 51, a beaten favorite in there. You've got Scarlett Hanover returning from the juguette, uh where she uh, won both heats. Uh, great to see there. Ashley Hensley, go- Hensley goes back down as trainer with Ed Hensley in the sulky. And then, uh, yeah, if you want to say the name of one, you fire away. Uh, two straight victories coming in, including an OSS gold event, Uh yeah, fire away with this one horse and Jody.
0: Yeah, it's, it should be a good matchup between those three. Um, definitely the three to beat on paper, it would appear. Uh, yeah, Vols Delight has been in great form. has hit the board in actually in all 12 starts this year. Um, five wins, fourth seconds, and three thirds. Love it. Scarlett mm-hmm. Hanover, of course, correct, coming back from the Delaware County Fair off of that win in the at final. And that looked like a pretty good field that she beat, beating Testa Faith, who ended up being the favorite in there. Um, And Oakwood Annabella, the Irish bred, appears to be a pretty talented one. Um, And then the one the Barn Dog watching, right, comes off that big uh, Gold Series win, has five wins this year from 10 starts. So those definitely the three to use here to close out this pick five sequence.
1: I don't think you can go wrong. They're the three highest money earners in the field and uh, prepping for something, right? There's more to come for uh, some big money events, I would assume, for these – these uh phillies going forward so
0: uh, uh, race five looks great and, and a great battle between one two and four yeah definitely for a non-winners of fifteen thousand event it's certainly a, a good field there between those three for sure um so sugar to recap our tickets for you it is going to be eight nine with one three six with four five with one six with one two four that's a 14 dollar and 40 cent play and for me, it's one five six eight nine with one six with one three four with six with one two four. And that's an $18 play.
1: So your, wallet, next,
0: your, your wallet's a
1: little thicker than mine for this one.
0: Well, you know, it's rare. I, I think for the first like 10 episodes of the show, I never outspent a guest of mine. But now I think I've outspent the guest each of the last like 10 <laughs> times. So I don't know if that's good or bad. You'll be all right. <sighs> So, next, Sugar, let's flip back a little bit later in the program, talk a couple of featured races. Uh, we'll discuss races eight and nine. Okay. Race eight is on the pace for 26,000. It's a top level conditioned event here. Phillies and mayors, non winners of 26,500 in their last five starts. And um, a pretty good field here. We've got Treacherous Rain, Kendall Silster, Lita Rose, Mock and Hope. A lot of different directions you could go here. Um, but for me, I'm actually going to go to the outside with the seven, Mock and Hope. Got a win at this level two weeks, two starts back. Um, won pretty easily there by two and three quarters. Came home in 27 flat, 154 and 4 the final time. But at the end of the day for me, I mean, there's a lot of good horses in here. And, you know, they've been facing some tough company this year. But Mock and Hope just likes to win. She has 10 wins. From 27 starts, and um, if I can get 9-2 to two on her at post-time, I'd be pretty happy. But uh, underneath, I like the 3, Kendall Seelster, um off some pretty good efforts, including that 26-second last quarter, last time out, and she has 4 wins from 16 starts this year. So I like the 7 and the 3 here in the 8th race. How do you see this one, Sugar?
1: I'm going to be all over number 2, Treacherous Rain. Uh, I'm loving that back half and 53 flat last time out. Loving the fact that it's her third start back off a brief uh, layoff. You see, she started August 20th, and then we didn't see her t- again till September 25th. She came back and win as the favorite, and then third last time out. Uh, again, that big back half, uh, solid connections here. Tony Alanya, Bob McClure in the sulky. Loving the two, treacherous reign to win. And I, I don't know. I, I, was, I was caught between the three and four for the exactor factor in this one. Uh, both, both mayors raced well against so much more in, in their latest. I, I guess I'll, I'll use the four Lita Rose to be second best with the uh, Louis on board for Morrow. Uh, I'm expecting that one to race up close. So it's a two, four exactor ice cold for me in race number eight.
0: Hey, well, I, I took my two contenders there with the three and the seven, you have the two and the four, and that would appear to be the big four, um, in that race. So maybe box those up in the super, right? Two, three, four, seven. Maybe that's the way to go. Maybe that's the way to make a couple bucks for our listeners out there in race eight on Saturday or Friday night. (laughs) Yeah. So race nine, um, we have fillies and mares, five-year-olds and younger, numbers of five races or 80,000 lifetime on the pace for twenty two thousand. And um, first things first, I personally found interesting that we have Sylvain Philion was listed on four of these 10 on the program proof, um, and he ends up selecting the two Nice Kitty Hanover. Um, but how did you see this race, Sugar?
1: Yeah, it's neat that you would pick up on that, uh, the two Nice Kitty Hanover. Now, I, I did not see this horse as a as a, as a possible player for the top two. But uh, neat angle there to pick up on Sylvain. Listed on four. He's going to the two. So maybe one to think about uh, for using the top three. I'm going to use the six again. This is Seton, a precedent. Uh, this one's just a bank machine. She's an eight-time winner from just 13 starts and uh, circled them uh, last time out with a big back quarter in 26-1. and one. I think it's very tough to go against her. Uh, James McDonald stays on board for the connections. Number six, Seton, a precedent. And uh, number three, I think uh, you might get some value here. Eight to one in the morning line, a huge second best to my top choice. Last time out, uh, she came from off the pace and shows a back half and 55 flat. Paul McDonnell on board. He's another gentleman with uh, quite a few live bullets. This one's sort of been a fringe player in recent starts, but I like that deuce. Last time out, going to chase after a 6-3
0: exactor in the ninth. I'm with you with the six setting the precedent uh, on top. I do not believe that she will be that three-to-one morning line at post time. Um, she is eight for 13 this year. And um, as I mentioned, it's a non-winners of five event, but she gets in. The, the other condition is non-winners of 80,000 lifetime. She's made just shy of 70,000 lifetime. Um, so she's looking for a ninth career win. Um, for sure, it's her on top for me here. But as I mentioned, the angle that I do use there. I've come to learn that the drivers with their choices tend to be smarter than I, so I personally prefer the nine on paper over the two, but I will respect the fact that Sylvain Philion selects the two. Um, and this one does draw better. Has had to deal with post eight, post seven before. You look kind of back through some of those lines with the inside posts, um, she's had a little bit easier time of it. So I'll try the 6 2 exact uh, in race nine. Right on. Uh, Again, you like
1: two and six. I like three, six. Maybe try the six over two, three, six, three, two.
0: triactors there in race nine. Might be the way to go. Uh, Hopefully we're giving out some winners here. Hopefully. (laughs) Uh, So that wraps up our coverage here. Woodbine Mohawks card again. That's tomorrow night, Friday night um, with a 12 race program. First post time as always 7 p.m. And if you want your free Woodbine Mohawk program, go to woodbine.com backslash Mohawk backslash free hyphen programs but before we wrap up the show today a little bit of bonus racing discussion let's go to Sugar's home track let's go to Western Fair to discuss a little bit this is the Friday afternoon evening program this is at 4:50 Eastern start tomorrow um 11 races on the card and there's three preferred events and those are the races we will discuss. So the first one comes up in race three. It's on the pace for 10,000. Uh, the Phillies and Mayors preferred. And how'd you see this one, Sugar?
1: Right on. On the pace then for race three. This is a middle leg of our early pick five that does begin in race number one. That is a go-to wager. In this one, uh, number one, my wish list for you Uh, Gets that rail advantage to work with. Now, she's coming in off the the big track, but uh, trainer Steve Bossens, he owns this one as well. He's from London, and uh, you know what? He he does really well here with his trotters and pacers uh, during our race meet. Travis Henry, on board for the drive. I think uh, my wish list for you uh, could go all the way there. In race number three, the two serious star uh, does show early speed, could follow along for a piece of it. Number five, Manhattan Knight, another one to consider here for the Ouellettes. It's Alfie Carroll staying on the five, uh, Manhattan Knight. For me, uh, one, two, and five, uh, but uh, I I think the one could go all the way there in the third.
0: I will agree with you with top selection. I also put the one on top, um, my wish list for you looking for win number three of the season. Um, but for me, I, I had to try something to get a little bit of a price underneath. And I'm going to take a chance with the seven top Royal. yeah um, was in the preferred event over at Grand River a couple weeks ago um, and had post four, got away at the back of the pack, but came with a, a nice uh, closing effort. Um, did get a 56-3 and three half to close into and came home third, beaten only by five and a quarter. Only has one win so far this year but she does have um five second and third place finishes so maybe she'll get the right trip here again to pick up a piece underneath um at a bit of a price hopefully so we'll try the one seven exacta for me in race three
1: you you could be right with her she's a grit grinder and she knows london jay harris gets along well with her Uh, i just didn't like her post position she's likely going to have to come from off the pace again but uh, definitely a nice grit grinder top royal
0: yeah, I'm assuming she's going to be obviously coming from off of it, and I like the fact that she did at least do that last time out. But uh, I gotta gotta suspect my wish list for you might get a little bit of a softer time of it on the front end than that 56 and three she got to close into last time. But we'll see how the race shapes out. Right. So race seven, this one is um, on the trot for ten thousand, the Ontario Standard Bread Adoption Society 25th Anniversary Trot for the preferreds. Um, a field of eight here, and how'd you see this one, Sugar? It's a
1: blanket presentation, uh, courtesy of OSAS in Race 7, and I'm going to the home team here. Uh, uh, co-owner, trainer Jack Ray, right here of London, son Scott Ray in the Sulky, number five left Lefkata. She's coming back from the big track. She can get around London, and uh, you know what? A fringe player in recent starts. you got to go way down to Sarnia in late July for her last victory. She's just a one-time winner this season, but she's back on home turf and she can get around London. I love five left cata to get the job done in race seven.
0: For me, I'm going to try the inside with the one Sicario. That's your two-to-one morning line favorite. I get the suspicion that uh, he might be a, a, somewhere around there post-time. I don't think he's going to be, I guess, maybe the favorite. I, I don't know. What, what do you think the what do you think the odds board looks like at post Because I'm never good at guessing this stuff maybe my, my guests are better than I at guessing this
1: <laughs> the the one sicario with Brett McDonald and Morrow anything Richard Morrow comes to London gets bets so you're you're probably looking at a horse that will live up to his morning line around two to one Left Cat is going to take action as well as mentioned this is the home the home team's horse Left she always takes uh, action in London the last time she was on a smaller track at Sarnia she was an odds on jogging favorite to win so uh i think the one and five are going to take action willie or won't he is another one you can look through his program lines he's uh usually betting the two to three to one uh range so the one four and five are going to take the action
0: yeah that's kind of the way i saw it. but yeah i don't think any one of the three are going to be a particularly heavy favorite whoever it ends up being but um with that said i, I do try the one sicario um yeah just didn't uh, big track last time out post eight uh, was never really involved there um, had all sorts of breaking issues. Uh, Flamborough is quite a mile uh, that uh, he put in two starts back. Yeah. But if we can excuse those two efforts, there's some good ones in there, including some preferred wins and second place finishes at Flamborough and Grand River. Um, does have four wins this season, has hit the board in 11 of 19. So we'll take his chances here with that rail draw. And as you mentioned, Richard Moreau and Brett McDonald in town for this one. Um, underneath, I will try the two Rapanahui, um coming up from Flamborough and also at uh, Kawartha there. Um, been hitting the board consistently in the second, a first, and a third. Um, 57 and four mile coming out last time at Flamborough in a good third place effort. Has five wins this year. It's hit the board in eight of 10. So uh, maybe we'll get a 1 2 exacta there in race seven. Um, but definitely the five Lakata that you mentioned uh, definitely is one to consider as well. So, right, maybe, maybe this is another race they should. Uh, Take a trifecta or something with our uh, selections.
1: <laughs> yeah, possibly. You know what? Uh, it's it's a great-looking race, uh, any one of eight, really. And you know what? Uh, blanket presentation to follow. And uh, always
0: special to see a blanket go on the winner here in London. So race 10, the last one we'll discuss here on the Western Fair card, um, the preferred three on the trot, purse of 10,000, a field of eight. And we have a six-to-five morning line favorite here from the rail. Yeah, they're not beating him. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Uh,
1: When I saw this race, I looked, uh, number one, Veyron, uh, very tough to go against. When he gets up front and left alone, uh, he's very tough to go on by. Uh, I looked at the rest of the field, and I'm thinking, wow, uh, Veyron, he really lays over them. And then uh, you add the rail advantage uh, for me. Uh, he's well worth a 6-5 to five, uh, wager if he happens to be there, but uh, I'm thinking you're probably going to get about 2-5 to five to 3-5 to five on number one, uh, Veyron, in, in race number 10. I, I just think he's going to be very tough to go around. Following out that speed, number eight, Charmbo Prince. It does show gate speed, so I think he can uh, stay on the Travis Henry helmet going into the first turn. So for me, it's going to be a 1-8 exactor all day.
0: Um, so I think we see this race pretty similar overall. Then, um, the one they run, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, you, I'll use your exact words. They're not going to beat him. <laughs> um, famous last words, right? Before we both get upset. But uh, yeah, I, I will use the one on top as well. Um, similar logic to you, but I'm going to try the seven conquest Oz, who I also think has some gate speed. Um, and might try to leave out of there. So uh, one seven for me, one eight. For you and Sugar, one last sidetrack detour I get to take before we're done here. Sure. For the two, All Out Henry. And now, you know, down here in the U.S., these lines don't even make it in the um, program for the standard breads. Uh, A racing under saddle qualifying event there in London on September the 30th. Did you get to watch that? I was
1: here. Um, Yes, indeed. Uh, You know what? Uh, The the trotters uh, go under saddle here, and they get along all right. The the miles are not as quick as as you can see. It's just a two o eight and two uh, racing under saddle qualifier. Uh, a few of them getting ready for what we call harness the hope night here uh, on October twenty second. That's a Friday night card where the the track gets decked out in pink. It's all in support of breast cancer awareness. So, with that being said, there will be a racing under saddle event that Friday evening on Harness the Hope Night, Friday, October 22nd. We'll look forward to that. And uh, you know what? The Racing Under Saddle might not take a whole lot of action as far as peer mutual wagering goes, but they do bring out uh, racing fans of uh, all ages and all makes and models. Uh, Horse people get behind uh, the Racing Under Saddle trotters, and uh, it's just something different to see, and uh, it combines well with our Harness the Hope Night.
0: That'll be something to look forward to. Uh, So, as you mentioned, that will be on the Paramutual program then that Friday night. You will be able to
1: bet on Racing Under Saddle
0: Racing, one dash, on that Friday night. Yeah, It's it's always amazing to me, but I I say it all the time to people that that whenever I talk about my wagering history, I don't know why, but for some reason, I think my best return on anything, thoroughbreds, quarter horses, it's Racing Under Saddle, it's the Monty Horses in Europe. I don't know why, but... Um for sure. I'll have to keep an eye for that then in two weeks. You bet. Um but yeah, I got my first chance to call racing under saddle event out of Gateway Farm this past summer and uh definitely a different, you know, type of racing. But uh I don't know, I find it pretty cool. It's kind of interesting to see them try to ride the trotters.
1: Yeah, well uh normally here in London it sets up for a pretty good race. They can keep them kind of close, uh, other other races throughout the summer, you can see them gapped out quite a bit. Uh, but uh, they usually put on a pretty good show here in London. And, hey, I, I know you're a track announcer, as you mentioned, Freehold and, and a few other places. If you ever make it up north of the border
0: and close to London, stop on by. We've got a race call for you. Hey, I certainly will. Um, for sure, once we get this border back open and everything's hopefully back to normal soon, right. I'd love to make my trip up there to see, you know, Woodbine Mohawk and um, – Western Fair, Fort Erie, uh, Woodbine Thoroughbreds, I, I would like to see it all on a good good long trip if I get a chance. <laughs> right on. Sounds good. So uh, one last time here, Sugar, for this program, it will be an 11 race card at your place tomorrow night, 4.50 p.m. first post time and westernfairdistrict.com backslash raceway for a free program for Western Fair for tomorrow night. Um, and for anyone that wants to continue the conversation with you or I on social media, you can be found on Twitter at Sugar Doyle, S-U-G-A-R-D-O-Y-L-E. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's at Edison underscore 1999 underscore at E-D-I-S-O-N underscore one nine 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 underscore.
1: You bet. Uh, we're always available on social media. We, we go hard. We we work hard to uh, look after our players and, and spectators here in London. So uh, for sure, give me a follow on Twitter at Sugar Doyle and uh, feel free to drop me a, a, a message anytime.
0: Well, Sugar, I think that's about all the time we have for now. But thank you so much for joining me To Discuss a big Friday of racing in Canada. In fact, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but on the standard bread side, I believe Western Fair and Woodbine Mohawk are the only two tracks racing tomorrow. Is that correct? That sounds good to
1: me. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but that, that sounds about right. But uh, keep in mind, uh, uh, the weather forecaster is calling for some showers and rain. So factor that in when playing both the Raceway and Woodbine Mohawk Park.
0: Yep, have some good info to have, and uh, we'll wish you the best of luck calling tomorrow, the rest of the season at Western Fair, and we'll wish all of our players the best of luck this weekend, wagering at Wood by Mohawk, Western Fair, or any other tracks you may get yourself into. And we will talk to you next time on the next episode of First Over with Edison Hatter, which if you're listening to this episode shortly after it's published here on Thursday afternoon, that will be just a couple hours away. We will have an episode later this evening, Thursday night, to discuss the racing for Saturday, October the 9th at Woodbine Mohawk. We'll talk to you then.